All right, welcome back in. Damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And this is it, folks. This is Turkey Week. This is Civil War Week. This is the week we all get excited for the chance for the Oregon State Beavers to snap an eight-game losing streak against the Oregon Ducks. But before we get into the game, Angie, I actually want to do two things. The first thing I want to do is say kudos, congratulations on, on insight that you had. And the second is... How about that commitment last weekend by Oregon State of Isaiah Hodgins? It's huge. It's huge. And, um, you know, it's, you know, credit a, a lot of different things, but the Oregon State staff never gave up on that. They kept it up. And Isaiah, you know, it's one of these, he's a kid that's very mature, knows what's going to be best for him as far as his future development. And huge, huge get for Oregon State. You know, he's, what, 6'3", 185, great hands, runs great routes. And he's coming in in January, so um, a big-time commitment for Oregon State, um, four-star. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun night. I actually had heard late Thursday night that it was going to be Oregon State over Nebraska and Oregon. And, you know, trying to keep that quiet is is tough, but you, you have to do it. For these kids, you let them have their fun, yeah. and, uh, you know, fans found out then Friday night. Well, and, and you're in the industry, too, where I think there's a lot of people that respect that process but i also think there's people that it's not like they don't but they just they want the scoop they want the retweets they want followers they'll take that scoop that they get and they'll they'll leak it sources are saying it's going to be oregon state but we'll find out you know they'll find ways to tweak it where they yeah, still yeah. feel good about letting the kid have his moment but they also feel oh i'll get retweets for this and uh you know i told i texas to you after i found out I just couldn't do what you do because I would be in the business of wanting to do it that way, the former. And so that that would always be tough for me. I do want to ask you a couple things. The first one is, how did this happen? Like, how does a kid go from being so committed to Oregon, loving Oregon, it being his dream school, to flipping and going to not just a different school, but their main rival about 50 miles up the road? Uh, a couple things. You know, this this happened, um, you know, I, I think the... The news that Mark Helfrich and the staff, maybe there might be some shakeups there in the coming weeks, um, played a big part of that. You know, they, you'll tell a kid always commit to the school, not the coaches, but that's hard to do when you build these relationships with, with coaches. So the thought process of, okay, these coaches that I've grown have a relationship with may not being there, whether it be this year, next year, you know, being on the hot seat, that's huge. It weighs very heavy on you. Um, and then Oregon State just, you know, they had been in with him for, you know, for, since Baldwin got here, Coach Baldwin. Coach Baldwin coached his dad at San Jose State back in the day. Um, so go, they go way back with the family and just that trust factor, you know. And then you look at Oregon State's uh, quarterback commitments coming in. You know, Isaiah said he, he told us that these, these quarterbacks are, are solid, um, just the offense that they're running, and just a program in Oregon State that's really he feels on the rise, and uh, he wants to be a part of that of rebuilding that program. Well, and I think the follow-up question for me, Angie, would be, and I think this is probably normal for a lot of Beaver fans, that's such a huge get, a four-star wide receiver, and to get him to flip over Oregon, to get him... And to, Nebraska. And I, mean, well, I was going to say, yeah, and choose OSU over Nebraska, um, there's an element for me where I still want to, and I want to get this answer from you, how committed do you think it is? Is this like a, he's in, or is oh, he's this... Done. He's, he's done. He's done. Now, if you're, he actually committed uh, the spring to Washington State, was committed to Washington State until Oregon offered, and then he opened things back up and uh-huh. said that he was going to go through the process, take his official visit, and then would make a winter, you know, fall-winter decision. 
And remember, like I said, he's going to be entering school here when winter term starts that first week in, in January. Oh, so he'll be here for spring ball then? He will. So, wow. um, you know, this is, he's done. This is a done deal. I think, it, I think the stress of it starts to weigh on you a little bit. Um, you get tired of all the mail and the phone calls. And, you know, not only are you having coaches and, and people calling you all the time, you have, you know, the people like myself that, you know, the different schools, rival sites, scout sites, you know, all the newspapers now seem to have, you know, guys that try to cover recruiting. So that's, uh, you know, those people are all buying for time. And it's it's nice to be able to finally shut it down and say, I'm done. Man, that that's just huge news. To, it to... was huge. And to go back to your point, it's, it's kind of funny. You talk about wanting to tweet things out or, yeah. or get the word out. It, it was hard. I mean, let me yeah. tell you. But in my in my business, we also cover them when they're beavers. And so you never want to burn that trust. And there was a quote-unquote secret visitor on campus this past weekend, and I have been asked by this player. I, I reached out to him to, to find out if he was visiting, and he confirmed he was, mm-hmm. but he asked me to keep it quiet because he's committed elsewhere, and he doesn't want it getting out that he's looking around. Now, after on Sunday, I check in with him again, said, okay, can we go now? You know, because he loved his trip, said he loved everything about it, everything stood out, and I said, okay, can, can we go with a story on this? And he's like, can you please wait? I visit my, the school I'm committed to, to December 2nd through 4th, uh-huh. and then we can talk. And I'm like, fine. So I know there's a lot of people in the industry that will say, oh, secret visits, that's just, you know, silly. Yeah. But in my, in my thinking, this is a kid asking, please, don't do this. Uh-huh. And if he does flip to Oregon State, this is a, a player that I'm going to have to cover for the next four, yeah, that's years true. So career. you can't burn that relationship. You don't want to yeah. burn a relationship. So yeah. you know, I know it's hard as a Beaver fan, and I'm not trying to be a tease of you know, oh, secret visitor. Um, but this kid really did go out of his way to keep himself kind of quiet, keep him under the radar a little bit. And uh, I know he wants it left that way. So, and a lot of times when you're committed, those coaches will say, "Hey, you're committed to us, but if you take any other trips." we consider you no longer commit. Well, and I think the big news that I saw, um, and I was either on Twitter or Facebook or something, I, I saw a headline, and I didn't read a story, and I just saw a headline, and it basically said, with, with the Hodgins commit now, and they still need to finish up a couple other kids, they have a class where they're looking right now of just being outside of the top 25 in the country. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's big. And then I mean, Angie, a- when was the last time that that happened? I mean, that just seems... It hasn't. It hasn't. It's never happened. 34, I think, is one of the highest ranked classes that wow. I remember. Wow. So this is, we're looking at the best recruiting class of, of all time? Potentially. Now, there's a lot, long way to go. Yeah. Um, this weekend is going to be a big weekend. Um, nine confirmed visitors. I do believe there's a tenth that I'm just working to, to get a confirmation on. But um, a lot of JUCO talent. Um, yeah, we can talk about this too later. But um, yeah. this, there's a lot going on. I know Jamiri Calvin, another four-star receiver, uh, his teammates, Jeffrey Manning and Eric Flemings, are both committed already. There's been some Twitter chatter there about Oregon State being in the mix, um, playing together at the next level. So he has already visited, and uh, he has told me that Oregon State is still in the mix for him. So lots of lots of things going on between now and uh, February 1st. Well, and this is a week of a lot of trash talk where, you know, Beaver fan goes at Duck fan and vice versa. You know, for Duck fan that, that thinks, oh, moral victories, only Beaver fans are happy about that, or or moral moral losses, which is basically what the Beavers have had a lot of this year. Um, This is why I laugh at it. Like some years, look, yeah, I mean, you lost a couple games close. It's no big deal. Years like this and situations like this, I think, are drastically different. You're close to Stanford. You're close to UCLA. You're close to, 
Um, uh, you beat Cal, you beat Arizona soundly. Like when you're close to some of these teams and you're getting a couple of wins and you're in a rebuilding situation, you add the recruiting aspect. And I think that's an aspect that people don't talk enough about. That is the reason for the momentum. That is the reason that Beaver fan looks at this and goes, yeah, losing games sucks. Nobody wants to lose games, but they're competing against some of the better teams And they're also starting to bring in serious talent. Like, this isn't just a losing thing. This is a, yeah, look what we're doing off the field and then add that with the fact that we're depleted with injuries, we're using a bunch of young guys, and we're competing on the field. That is the reason for anybody that wonders, why is Beaver fans so optimistic? Why are they so sure? Look, you're never 100% sure, but that's why they feel as good as they do, is the recruiting stuff off the field having arguably their best recruiting class of all time if they can nail some of these kids down and then being on the field and almost beating a Utah and almost almost beating a Stanford and competing with the Boise States of the world. That's why we feel this way. And and that's and they, they go hand in hand too because these top recruits, if if the Beavers were a two and ten team again but not competitive, they wouldn't even be sniffing right now. You know, it's like, well, they're so far down, I don't even know if we'd see a bowl game in my time. But now they're saying, whoa, okay, what these coaches are telling me is true. The team is making progress. And, you know, they're selling this as, hey, we're missing a piece here and a piece here and a piece here. We need you to come in and be that piece. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get this thing flipped around. And I don't think there's many people out there, Beaver fans, that are doubting Coach Anderson right now. No. Well, and I, you know, I just, I just did my final radio show of the week because we're doing the Apple Cup on our radio station on Friday. Um, so our final show was today, recording this on a Wednesday. And that was one of the things we talked about in the matchup. Like, my co-host is a duck, so, you know, we obviously go bias and, you know, we do the homer pick. You know, he picks the ducks, I pick the beeves, no matter what. Um, but in breaking this game down and just being honest about it, you know, Justin Herbert scares the living hell out of me if I'm a Beaver fan. Royce mm-hmm. Freeman being healthy and having a good game, that scares the hell out of me. Their defense doesn't, and I think a huge matchup, and we'll get to this a little more when we break the game down, when your teams are bad, when these teams like don't have good records, a lot of what dictates these things is coaching matchups, and I don't even think it's close with this, with Gary Anderson versus Mark Helfrich. And, and it also goes to just mentality of the team. Yes. And you know, Oregon State right now is that chip on the shoulder, fighting, scrapping, we're decimated with injuries, and we're going to claw our yep. way and punch and fight. Oregon is the full of four, four-star talent, five-star talent who is having a bad year. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it'll be interesting. But I do agree. Coaching right now, not even close. Yeah, I, I just, and I think most people, because I know a lot of Duck fans that listen to our radio show, our radio station, you know, we had a Civil War event. I talked to a lot of Duck fans yesterday, um, and, and they're pretty honest about it. You know, social media Duck fan is almost insane, <laughs> but the level-headed ones out there, whether it's social media and reality, I think it's pretty clear when you listen to both of them talk, when you watch them coach, uh, Gary Anderson is the better head coach. So, you know, I think that's a factor that could play into Saturday's game as well. Um, I did want to quickly touch on, because we got a lot to get to, quickly touch on the five-touchdown pass game by Marcus McMarion um, and just the the absolute ass-kicking that I was able to watch at a Bellevue Hotel in Washington and be the only insane guy in the bar that was rooting for Oregon State, and everybody was looking at me like, why does this guy care about this football game at all? Oh, wasn't it? It was fun. It was, um, you know, Marcus McMarion, I will say I have been critical of him, Mm -hmm. and while I am not ready to say, you know, he's the, you know, heir apparent to be the starter, um, he had himself a hell of a game. Yes, he did. bottom line is, you know, and it's a group effort. I thought the O-line played well, Um, but when any time that you are – 
what was he, 16 of 19, 265 yards. 65, yeah. 265 and um, no interceptions and five touchdowns. Take a bow, young man. That was that was quite a performance. So um, he mixed it. All five touchdowns were to different receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Villeman, I, I don't know what woke him up, but he looked back to uh, the Jordan Villeman. There's Jordan Villeman, ladies and gentlemen. He has finally showed up. Will he show up on Saturday? I don't know, but God, I hope so. But this team, this offense is a different offense when Ryan Nall on the field. Yeah, it's it's night and day different, really. It's crazy. And that was the thing too that I noticed. You know, Marcus McMarion was was excellent, and I think we we differed a little bit in certain areas on that. And we talked about that all season. And I had a lot of Beaver fans, you know, disagree with me of when this move was made because of injury. Um, I just looked at it and I said, you know, this isn't an offense to the other guys. Garrettson's mentally not the same guy. He's banged up. I don't think he's healthy. He can't get it done. Connor Blount, so many people bought into one half. One half of a game, And yeah. it was like Connor Blount's the, clearly the guy because he jumped McMarion. I still looked at that move even after that game and said, how did this happen? Like, what did McMarion do to get jumped? And then when he went in there, I didn't expect him to be world beaters by any means. But I legitimately was going back and forth with some fans out there. Guys, I'm telling you, he's as good, if not better, than Connor Blount. So oh, easily. The whole notion that, you know, hey, he's a bum, he's moved to third string, you just got to give some of these kids a chance sometimes. Now, he hasn't been lights out, but he finally went against a crappier opponent. The offensive line continues to play well. They've improved since they've gotten healthier. And you, you just saw a really complete effort on the ground and through the air. And the Jordan Villeman one might have been the biggest thing because it's great to get five touchdowns to five different receivers. The offensive line, Ryan Nall being healthy, the defense and what they did. But Jordan Villeman could be like a he could be a difference maker in this Civil War game, where if he plays near what he was doing against Arizona, that's a wrinkle you didn't have two weeks ago that suddenly gives you an advantage. Yeah, exactly. And it's I mean it's a long time coming, honestly. But um, that was just an overall great team performance. Yeah. From you know, and and you can say what you will. Arizona is not a good team. No, they're but, the worst team in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. But we we didn't see that complete effort against Idaho State yep. earlier in the season. So yep. for Oregon State to finally put it together, see what it, and and okay, how in the heck and did Arizona fall so quickly? Well, they they're I mean, you talk about injury, they're just as depleted. They're they? dealing okay. with young guys too. Um, but you know, Rich Rod, it, it's different from some guys. Some coaches I think can can get it out of you. The problem I think Rich Rod deals with is he's got. The, he's got he's got the wrong injuries. You know, the wrong guys are injured for his team. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just don't know if he's maybe lost this group a little bit. It's not that he's not a good coach anymore. Just maybe he lost this group. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting game to watch. It was fun. It's, wins are so much more fun to, to cover, to watch, to write yes. about. Um, to watch even the press conference after the game. You know, the, the offensive guys came in. It was um, Ryan Nall, Marcus McMarion, and Jordan Villeman. And they were grinning and high-fiving oh, yeah. and joking. It's just a totally different vibe. It was way fun. Well, those wins, Angie, they, they justify the tweets. And what I mean yes. by that is you get these kids, the 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 you know, the, the Boldens, the Dekus, the anybody on this team that tweets, you know, uh, continue to trust, Beaver fan, don't abandon us. Like, you get those after they get blowout losses. Um, and these are the games that justify their attitude, right? Their Their ability to mentally say, yeah, we're not that good. Yeah, we're not a bowl team this year, but we're not quitting and we're competing and we're going to go out there and fight. They are literally in front of our eyes 
taking the shape of who their coach is on the field. Exactly. And, no, and, they are turning into Gary Anderson. And you say the blowout win, you know, this was the other funny thing that I noticed. You can poo-poo the blowout win all you want. Well, Arizona sucks, dude. Why, why do you even care? Well, let me tell you why I care. Oregon State is not considered a great team in this conference. A lot of people probably would have made the argument before that game, are we sure Arizona's the worst? I think Oregon State might be. They came out and from start to finish absolutely kicked their ass. And I think it's different for Idaho State. They didn't do it. Uh, Take the Cal win. They blew Cal out, and then they allowed Cal to come back in, and you almost lost that game. So Washington State was the same way. Yes. Come yes. out and blow Washington State out the first half, and then let them, you know, sneak back in and win. You're up twenty-one nothing, and you blow that game. We literally have not seen this since in, in, in Gary whole... Anderson's tenure. We, no, haven't, we haven't we haven't seen a game like that against any opponent, and I'm counting even the Weber States of last year, where they were barely beating them at half. So you can poo-poo that win all you want, but I just think this goes to to prove what we have seen. We've seen growth. We've seen progress. They haven't won. But eventually, when you play the right team, you can, which is what I think leads to having a good civil war. Yes, and they are not the worst team in the Pac-12 any longer. No, I, I, you you know, know, I'll say the, this. I don't even think they're top two worst. I think Arizona yeah. State's worse than them. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Um, so, so, so then, I th- from, in my opinion, that number nine spot or ten spot is a toss-up now between Oregon and Oregon State. Well, I, I don't know how it's not, though. Like, the argument, in Oregon, look, kudos to them. They went on the road and got a huge win against yeah. Utah. Nobody saw that coming, including their fans. But oh, let's not forget, they're, they're three inches from not winning that game. And, yeah. and I don't mean to say that to take away. Like, it's a hell of a play by Carrington. Yeah, it was a great, great play. But don't walk away from that game and go suddenly, oh, Oregon's figured it out. Utah has Colorado. They are notorious for having those games. They lost to uh, Arizona last year in the same situation Everything on the line, they win, they continue to be in the Pac-12 South title representation conversation, and then they absolutely blow it. And I think there's an element of that program not having that staple win when they need it, and also overlooking Oregon a little bit and getting to Colorado. It's very unKyle Whittingham-like, but I wouldn't put it past them at all, and that's what happened. Because you can't tell me that Oregon defense is good enough to do what they did. They haven't done that all year long. So I think there was a part of it that a lot of this is on Utah, and the other part is Oregon went out there and that Herbert kid continues to play well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Utah's offense isn't oh, it's all terrible. that strong. Oh, yeah. my God, it's terrible. Who's their offensive coordinator? Is it uh, Brian? Is it? I want to say it's Brian Williams. Am I wrong on that? Or Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, that's who I'm... Is that who that it is, is? I don't know. Erickson's still there, isn't he? Isn't he the Erickson quarterback is guy? there. He is the uh, running back coach. Oh, he's the running back coach. Well, whoever their quarterback coach and their offensive coordinator is, they really need to look in the mirror because that continues to be the bugaboo for Utah. Um, I'm looking right here. Every year, their defense is always one of the top four or five in this conference. And every year, their offense continues to not be able to move the ball through the air when they need to or struggle with predictability in pass calls it's, or in uh, offensive play calls. They're, they have co-offensive coordinators, Aaron Roderick and Jim Harding. Yeah, pick one and move yeah. the bleep on. I hate co-offensive Dennis Erickson is an assistant head coach and running back coach. Yeah, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, Remember I saw him when Utah was at that's Corvallis. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah, you told that's us the highlight story. of my day. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Oregon gets a win, too, but if you were just to honestly evaluate it, and, and I know this, this is the damn podcast, so if there's any Duck fan that listens to this, 
you're probably rolling your eyes. You're going to question me. Oh, you're a beaver lob. You don't got any object- objectivity. Actually, I'm paid to have objectivity. And when I evaluate this thing, there are a ton of negatives for Oregon State. And there are a ton of positives for Oregon going into the game. But just evaluate the way these two teams have played over the last four weeks. And get back to me. Who yeah. do you think has played better? I, wins don't always have to equal who has played better. And I think that that's part of what I take away for the Civil War. Yeah, and I, I just like Oregon State's toughness. I do, too. I I'm do, not, too. You know, do they win? I don't know. But I, I like the toughness in this matchup. Do you think they win? Are you? I do. I do think they win. How, how, if you were to label 0 to 100, where's your percentage on confidence? Oh, gosh. Is it at 50? Lower? Uh, no, a little higher. I'd say 60, 65. 65% sure they win this game? Yeah, I, I just, I like the mentality of this team. I do too. I, I just, like I said, physically, I, you know, Herbert and Royce Freeman scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think as, as long as Ryan Nall's healthy, he'll, he'll have a day. And uh, I just love the makeup of this team. They're, they're in it. They're fighters. I think we see, and I think this coaching staff is going to have this team ready to go. Well, and you know what else I love too? Um, I love that Gary Anderson's into the rivalry. Oh, I do too. I mean, if you listen to this guy talk about this game for two minutes, you'd think he was a lifelong Oregonian. Like when he sees the Oregon sticker in the back window, he just wants to pass the car. <laughs> he's like, I just want to pass him. I mean, that's yeah, just that, how I'm made up. I, I, I like that. We had a bunch of people texting. I'm glad he's advocating for speeding. Come on, Gary. What are you doing here? No, but <laughs> I thought that was a really good line. I, I love the fact he had the line of, you don't think they're a good team. Come up to my office yeah, for exactly. three let's minutes. Watch, yeah, let's go watch some film. And I'll tell you why they are a great team. I, and look, I, I think there was a couple years here where, you know, when Chip Kelly was running things in Eugene, it was nameless, faceless opponent, just won the day. It didn't matter who you played, right? There was no rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody was a rival. It, Mark Helfrich, not a great coach, in my opinion. Could be canned. I'll at least give him this. He's a lifelong Oregonian. He grew up in Coos Bay. He understands that this rivalry means a lot to the fans. He does. He so does. I think he conveys that message to his locker room. And I think it'd be very easy for a guy that's grown up and basically started his career in Utah, gone to the Big Ten. I think it'd be easy for him to come to the Pac 12, struggle as much as he has, and look at this game and go, well, this is any different than every other week to us. We struggle against every team. Yeah. But he's really, I think, gotten into the rivalry. And I'll credit boosters and I'll credit fans because I think he's got good football acumen. But I think a lot of it, too, has to do with people in his ear and saying, Gary, this game means the world to us, man. We need you to come back and win this one. Like, I think a lot of big boosters, when they first got to meet him, I wouldn't be shocked at all if like half the room slipped that line in when they met him. Hey, you got to win that game. Please just win that game. That matters so much to us. Yeah, well, and then just the players, I, it, they they get it, you know, they understand it. I, Tristan Decoud tweeted earlier today the text message he got from Oregon during recruiting saying, you know, thanks yeah, so much that. for sending your film. Um, if you'd like to try to be a, a preferred walk-on, you know, apply to the university, and once you're accepted, then send us your film, and we'll take a look. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and I, I kind of laughed at that one. Um, and then look, this is the week for letters like that, isn't it? Where you're spurned by a program and you go on and have a good career somewhere else. That's, this is the week for it. Um, you know, when I think about Angie, the, the prediction for this thing, I'm going to go 50% just because it's rivalry and there's an element for me. I don't like to be too emotionally confident (laughs) 
because yeah, you yeah. tend to be a little more devastated at the end of those small games. <laughs> but for me, I, I have to go with my gut, and my gut just basically says I think Oregon is not going to play that way again. Now, there's an element that I want to ask you about in a second for this game that could concern maybe Beaver fan or maybe it concerns Duck fan, depending on how you look at it. But I, I just want to cite what you said, the mentality of this team, the toughness of this team, playing the way that they have the last four or five weeks, even the second half of Washington. I love it. And I think Gary Anderson has his guys ready to go. He's not walking out of that stadium. That place is going to be crazy loud rocking at 1 p.m. And I don't think those kids are coming out going, hey, Oregon's not that good. We can do whatever we want. I think they're coming out there and their message is, we're going to punch you in the bleeping mouth exactly. today. Exactly. That is exactly what they're going to be trying to do. I do want to ask you, because I know we got damn questions to get to, too. Um, this is a, a topic that was brought up on a radio show on our station, and, and it got me thinking a little bit. You know, when you look at the styles of play versus Oregon's defense, even Stanford to a degree, what they've struggled with is the up-tempo stuff. The Mm -hmm. getting to the line and hiking the ball. And now Stanford's different almost in itself because you're talking about almost four or five NFL offensive linemen that no other team in this conference has. But look at the styles of play with all the teams that have beaten Oregon and beaten them soundly. Style of play really matters against them. And I thought there was an element of Utah of being predictable, not being able to throw the ball because their passing game has never been great. Uh, you know, going down to the end of a game clock. When you have two seconds on a clock, you can time the snap. It makes it easier. I thought I thought Utah did a terrible job at that. Do you think that Oregon State for this game should change anything offensively in terms of tempo and rhythm? I think definitely they should. I I think any time that you play tempo, it it works in your favor. As long you know, and especially now that Marcus is more comfortable with the offense, mm-hmm. knows it. I, I definitely think that. Um, I, I maybe don't think it's as big a deal with Oregon just because they practice against it all the time. Yeah. But if they can mix it up and, you know, add some in there, add, I, I think, I do think we'll see a ton of more of the quick little, you know, slants and little quick hitch patterns. Um, we'll see some more Timmy Hernandez like right in the middle of the field. We haven't seen that much of this year. Yeah. So, um, but I do think mixing it up and not going tempo all the time or not, you know, taking your time all the time, but mixing that up, um, will definitely play in the Beavers' favor. Well, and I, I don't expect a, a three-incompletion day, but I really want to see where the confidence and comfort factor for Marcus McMarion is going to be for this one. Uh, Angie, that defense is terrible. They, I mean, yeah. they're worse than last year, and we remember what they were able to do offensively last year. Yeah. Especially, Brian, I mean, I, I am giving the ball to Brian Knoll. Yeah. Remember, he yeah. ran all over them. Yeah, he did. Um, but I, I also think there's an element, too, as great as he's been, um, this game also might come down to Marcus McMarion's ability to move the ball on third yeah. and five, third and six situations. Yeah, that, and we we don't see him keep the ball all that often. Yeah, and what that that's another interesting part too is you know I think it was the UCLA game they pointed that out, and then I watched the Arizona game. He doesn't, and it's no. not like he's a speedster by any means. He's not. But there's Seth a Collins. couple times that you'll watch that game, and you're, both UCLA and and uh, Arizona, and you're watching that game, and you're like, wait, just hold on to it. Yeah, because those... And the one that they called a flag on, this that touchdown that they thought he was over the line when he threw it. Yeah, that's right. He could have walked in for that one. Well, those those ends, they crack down. Like, the it's gotten out. They, yeah. they hand the ball off to Nall. He doesn't run. So it's gotten out that he won't pull. And so when he's doing that, you're getting these ends that literally crack down onto the running back. 
if he can hold that for the right amount of time and then pull it out, even if he's not that fast, you're looking at a three, four yard gain, which exactly. is which is all you really want. You want four yards out of those because four times three is twelve. That's a first down. So, you know, I, I even look at what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Those ends are cracking down, and I think they will against uh, with Oregon. You've got to pull occasionally and see if you can pick up a first down and sneak it on some guys. It kind of goes back to earlier in the year when they were doing the Wildcat, mm-hmm. and like every time that Seth Collins came in, he kept the ball. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's not really a trick play anymore because everybody knows he's going to keep the ball. So, yeah. Agree. And then that would open up and help Ryan Nall in the run game and Art Pierce because it makes it less predictable. Yeah. The it's pass- got to be not, they got to let it all out now. I mean, there's. Should nothing be should be hidden? No, week. I mean this, this is your season. Not I mean games, it yep. literally is your season. So uh, I'm with you. I mean any trick plays, any ideas that you've had, things that you've run in practice, but you don't bring them out for games. Uh, enough enough hiding of that. You, you got to really bring it out. Um, do you do you feel comfortable with the Bolden Villeman emergence for this game, or do you still leave shaky? Even though Villeman had a great game and and Bolden left with an injury, a little shaky, but. Um... Especially Vic, I know how much he wants this. I know how much this Civil War means to him. So for him to go out as a senior with the Civil War, I mean, just look at how much he's fought and clawed this year. That kid's a tough kid. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think this is going to be a big game for him. God, I'm so excited. I I, I want Billy to have a big game, but yeah, after the season he's had, it's hard to, you know, one game a season doesn't a season make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's my view on Oregon. Like, yeah, don't, yeah. don't tell me they beat Utah and suddenly it's it's all going to be that way. Like, that doesn't define what they've been. Their record defines who they've been, and their losses define who they've been. Uh, and it hasn't been pretty for them. I'm I'm amped up. I'm pretty juiced. I know last year we did this podcast for the same game. Um, I picked the Ducks to win. I was given a 31 point spread in a bet. I ended up winning that because obviously they only lost by 10. And I went to that game at Autzen as a non media member. I think that's a new tradition. I'm starting with my homies. Um, I don't think I'm going to go as a media member ever again, but I'm jacked for this. And, you know, we don't get a lot of these. It's been a while. Oregon's been yeah. good. Oregon State for a while was good, and they went in the dump. We haven't had this in an awfully long time. So as stupid as it might sound, I'd rather be playing for a bowl game. I'd rather be playing for a playoff or a Pac-12 title representation, no doubt. But right now, this one kind of gets me jacked because there's significant bragging rights. And you would be tied with Oregon in the win column, and technically you'd finish above them because of the uh, pack because of conference record and head to head. So uh, I think I think I believe I, I believe that's correct, right? They would finish yeah. tied with Oregon in yeah. the standings. Yeah. So for me, that that's why I'm jacked for it because we haven't had very many of them, and bragging rights being on the line and being what they are, your first opportunity in a while of feeling confident about a potential win. There's just a lot of things that line up that we haven't seen in a while. Oh, it's, I'm super jacked for this game. Are you going to tailgate? I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to try to tailgate a little bit. Um, yeah, I, it's just a matter of how early I can get down there. Yeah, what time are you going to get down there? I'm hoping to be down there by 11. Oh. Well, I'll be like four hours in at that point. I know, I know. So, I mean, if I'm there four hours, six hours early, yeah, I, I would never be making it to the press box. So, Can you do me a favor? Can you tell me when you go to the press box just how boring it is the whole game for you? I, I can, I can. I'll be like, Brandon, help me. No, seriously, though. Like, I'm, 
I'm I'm also going to be curious too because there's a little secret in the media here, at least in our market in Portland. This isn't talked about a lot, but I mean, I just you can see it through work if you look for it the right way. I can hear it in voices. There's a real element of there's a significant amount of media rooting for Oregon um, to win. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. It, it really is that simple. People have their opinions that they're rooting for. That happens all the time. I think there's a decent amount of media that root for Oregon because. They've been riding the gravy train. The gravy train suddenly has stopped, and now they're worried that the gravy train might be crashing. And you're on a now. What was that? You're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. Yeah. No. Seriously. Kingpin. You. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> that's right. I remember that. No. It, you, you really are though, and a, some media members won't admit this publicly. They for sure want Oregon to win because they think Oregon with Herbert now. They're going to be great next year if they fire Helfrich or not. And it's funny because you continue to have people overlook Oregon State and act like Gary Anderson's not here, stealing big-time recruits from the Ducks and playing a bunch of young guys that all be back next year. So don't kid yourself. And I, I really want to get your reaction from this on the post-Civil you know, Civil War podcast. Yeah, yeah. I want to know how many media members you kind of just glance at and you get the feel that they're kind of like pissed if Oregon's losing or they're nervous if the Ducks potentially are facing like a first and goal and their defense has to save them from a touchdown or they're they're going to lose. Like, I want to know how many you see and you notice about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take notes. Yeah, I can't wait. Because um, the press box should be busy. It, the, the press box, actually, I will say this. It was, we actually had fun this last week. It was, it was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sit front row um, right next to the Oregonian crew. So yeah. it's like Gina and, and Danny and Kengo and uh, Sean Meager. And, uh, yeah, I, I brought a, some Halloween candy to get rid of. So I was like tossing twigs. Yeah, you and, always, you are. I know. Well, I want to get rid of that crap, you're man. You're the media mom in that box. I, I do. I'm like tossing, you know, <laughs> candy bars down. That, Gina's like, you have any more of those hundred grand? I'm like, hey, heads up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I think the Oregonians sent in like 20 people this weekend. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they are. Which, it's always amazing to me that a media publication can have that many people and other media publications can't get one seat. Yes. Kind of a fascinating conversation, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm tailgating. I got a bunch of buddies. I got Beaver fan. I got Duck fan tailgating. So if you want to know about the tailgate, you want to stop by, say hi. Um, You're very welcome to. It's going to be a good time. We're just going to have cornhole out. I don't know if we'll be playing it, but we'll have booze. We'll have some food. Um, Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon Sprague. Tweet me and I'll let you know. I don't want to say it over the podcast for certain reasons, Um, but uh, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon Sprague and uh, I'll give you information where my tailgate is. Do you want to... uh, Uh, Do we want to do damn questions or do we want to talk recruiting? Mm. Because I'm like, either way. Let's do recruiting. First of all, I just want to point out I did music for the first time on the podcast and I've heard nothing but negative things. So that kind of, that leads me to not want to do music ever again. Um, apologies if that music was too loud last week. I have levels for radio that were trained to like know, and that was below those levels. So I just figured it didn't sound that bad, but, uh, evidently people said it was too loud. So apologies for that. Maybe I won't do music this week for damn questions. So let's just do, let's do, let's start, let's go to recruiting. Recruiting. So I'm, I'm jacked about recruiting. Okay. Give us all the information. This is usually the segment and probably a lot of people's favorite where I shut up for about five to 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. And Angie Angie just just has diarrhea of the mouth and just starts. (laughs) Viewing stuff out. So um, all kinds of good stuff here. So um, first I'll start with the list of official visitors. And I've been asked this before about why don't we talk about unofficial visitors because there's always a 
quite a few unofficial. That's when a, a recruit will pay his own way to come to the game. Typically, don't it, a it, it just takes way too much energy to try to track those guys down and figure it out. But I have confirmed a couple of the in-state guys will be there. Um, the commits: David Morris, Josh Bocut. Um, you know, so there's some guys going to be down there ready to cheer on their future teammates. But as far as official visitors go, very heavy JUCO um, numbers this week. So um, led by quarterback, um, Oregon State quarterback Jake Luton. He'll be there. Um, He committed last month. And then we're going to just start right at the top with a cornerback out of Independence, uh, Kansas, Jalen Lane, three-star. This was a four-star kid out of high school, committed to Oklahoma State, but was a bounce back. He didn't qualify. So um, he will be in attendance. He is picking up a ton of interest over the past couple weeks, but um, making his trip out to Oregon State and is very excited. He tells me um, he's really jazzed when he got the Oregon State offer. He's been talking to the Oregon State for about a month now, and when the offer came, he was completely excited. Uh, Oregon State commit Quantino Allen out of Glades High School in Belgrade, Florida, will be in Corvallis. He's a six foot, 200 pound receiver, um, currently ranked 146 out of all the wide receivers in the country. He is fast. I've talked to Corey Bender and our Florida analyst who just loves this kid. He's also picking up a ton of um, interest from, you know, Maryland and several schools on the East Coast. So he might be tough to hold on to, but um, Tino is a great kid and is making his first trip to Oregon. So this will be a big, big visit for him. Uh, Lorenzo Fawatea is the 6'4", 260-pound defensive end, three-star, committed to Oregon State from Utah. And uh, he is mission-bound at the moment, so um, he would be a ceremonial signing, but big, big prospect for Oregon State. Deontay Sykes, uh, a 6'3", 210-pound wide receiver out of Mesa Community College, committed to Oregon State. He will be here. And I don't know if we've talked about him. I think we did, actually. He committed um, a couple weeks ago out of Chandler High School, best friends with Daryl Gerritsen. His dad played at Oregon State back in the late 90s, so has beaver ties. He'll be in Corvallis. Uh, Justin Saddlemeyer, the three-star Palomar College offensive tackle will be in town, committed. Um, and then a couple big time, these are the non-committed guys that I know Beaver fans are going to be excited to hear. Jordan Agasiva, a 6'4", 290-pound lineman from Pima College. This kid's getting uh, recruited from everyone. He's huge-time prospect. So um, he will be on campus. Keyshawn Nixon is a three-star cornerback, and this kid is blown up. He just picked up a UCLA offer today. Wow. He had South Carolina last week that he loved his trip, so he has SEC offers, um, you know, Pac-12 offers, Big Ten, Big 12, big, big prospect out of Arizona Western. He will be in, on campus. And then just today we were able to confirm Raheem Johnson. He's a prep out of Salesian in L.A., four-star linebacker, was committed to UCLA, but opened things up. He is the number two-ranked outside linebacker in California. He is in the Scout 300. At, uh, he comes in at 296 on the Scout uh, 300, a four-star player. Um, so those are kind of the, the big ones. A little nugget um, for you guys that I, I know you'll be excited about. One of Keyshawn Nixon's teammates is Craig Evans. Defensive tackle, visited Oregon State uh, two months ago. And I think we've talked about Craig. He was originally from Wisconsin, has a great relationship with Coach Anderson, uh, played at Michigan State for a year before transferring down to Arizona Western. I reached out to him because he had told me that he planned – 
at one point to take an unofficial visit to Oregon State for Civil War. That is his plan right now, is to come up on his own dime this weekend, told me that Oregon State is his current leader. And I, when I asked him, I said, so, you know, do you have any plans of when you plan to make a commitment, you know, whether it's Ole Miss or Oregon State mm-hmm. or Mississippi State or Arkansas? He, he laughed and he goes, maybe this weekend. Oh. So that could be a big one. Wow. And, you know, he's teammates with Keyshawn, Nixon. I don't know. There's a lot of things going on right now, a lot of things in play, a lot of JUCOs. Sometimes the JUCOs can be tough to reach, but um, a lot of excitement if I'm a Beaver fan right now with these guys coming in. Well, and don't forget the tease that you gave us, the the secret visit from the kid last weekend. Um, Yeah, so that, you know, he's taking his official visit, what, next? It's December 2nd through 4th, so... Mm. Lots of things in play. Lots of things in play. All right. That's fantastic stuff. You're not going to get it anywhere else. Beaverblitz.com is where Angie does all her great work um, and gives you that insight of all the kids that are going to be visiting. Those are really big names, really fantastic that you're up there and, and better, I think, in competition than some of these other Power 5 schools. Um, hopefully, if they can get a win and keep riding this wave of momentum with recruiting, they continue to build this monster up and go into next year, I think, with a lot of confidence and hopefully with their best recruiting class uh, of all time in Corvallis. I Wait, and you know the, the thing is, so, you know, we've also heard some rumblings that spring practice is going to be changed up a bit and, you know, earlier make it more of a winter practice where it's like, you know, late February into March um, so that the staff can get on the road earlier. Now, that's not been confirmed. I've just heard a couple sources kind of rumbling about that. Well, some schools do that, though, right? Yeah, that oh, normal? lots of teams have been doing that lately. So um, it's not like some crazy different thing, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that maybe next week. We'll have more on that, um, but that's kind of in the works. But um, just the number here, uh, there's a lot of guys, too, that, you know, if Oregon State wins this week and if coaching staffs, you know, start changing up here in the next couple weeks, I could see some, you know, other movement in Pac-12. You know, some of the players committed elsewhere looking at Oregon State. So I'm actually working on a huge – it's our annual Thanksgiving. We call it our recruiting cornucopia, and it's – a big version of our recruiting war room. So that will be in the lodge tomorrow. And it is a breakdown of like the top 15 to 20, you know, prospects left on the Beaver board. Wow. Okay. So go to beaverblitz.com, sign up, become a member, um, and go check that out. Cause that is fantastic insight that they give you uh, on the website. Um, do you want to do damn podcast, uh, damn questions? Let's do some damn questions. Okay. Let's do some damn questions. Um, should I insert music or not? That's not. Okay. All right. Well, blame Angie. I like it, though. You want to tweet? Blame Angie. That's blame Angie's me. fault. I was going to put music here in a second. Okay, let's do it. Let's no, do it. No, no, it's okay. I want music. I want no, music. It's too late. I've already, I've already closed the music. It's gone. Um, we'll figure that out maybe for the next podcast. I'll get it. I'll get it better. Okay. I apologize for being allowed. I listened to it twice, and I was like, "Yeah, this is about normally what we do for radio." So that that sounded right to me. But uh, you know, people come, people complain, said it was too loud. I apologize for that. Um, hopefully we get that right next week. What's the first question? We've got Matt Chiafoni says, are you feeling more nervous about this game after Oregon's win at Utah? And then a bonus question follow-up for you. Will Mike McIntyre be at Colorado in 2017? Oh, I like that question. Um, am I feeling nervous? I mean, I think even if they were losing, you still feel nervous. But, uh, look, I think they have certain players that should always strike fear in you. Their quarterback, even time, any time a quarterback is good and, you know, not rattled and has been in hostile environments 
and he still plays well, I think you absolutely are always nervous. So Justin Herbert had me nervous before they beat Utah. The win doesn't change that for me. It's a rivalry game. Even if you think the other team sucks and you're going to take advantage of it, sometimes you got to pump the brakes on those ideas. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about that. And then Mike McIntyre, yes, I think he'll be there for 2017. Okay, there you go. So Eb 15, he's... Got a couple questions here, but Ed, okay. I just got to give you a shout out because I know you're driving to Oregon from Colorado. So hopefully you're going to be well, able to listen travels. to the damn, damn podcast here yeah. on your on your travels. And you're going to be at the at the Civil War. And he does say, "Where's the tailgate?" So Ed, <laughs> you're going to have to tweet Brandon on that. Yeah, shoot so me, uh, a shoot couple. me a tweet. I'll give you the spot. He's got a couple good ones, and, and some of these we might want to wait for next week, but I, I'm just going to go with it. So buy, sell, Nall getting 1,000 yards for the season. He needs a 204 mm. against the – and he uses a kind of a nasty term, but against – we'll just call them the dirtbags. <laughs> a lot of people call them the swoosh bags. Yeah, this is a little different. Um, I'll sell. Uh, I think he can have a good game, but that's a lot of yards to be asking for. Now, if yeah. he gets it – I think you're looking at a runaway victory for Oregon State, which would, you know, I think leave some people a little surprised and also feeling really good. But, uh, you know, look at Joe Williams. Joe Williams has had one of the best seven-game spans we've seen in this conference coming out of retirement for Utah. Utah can't do a lot well. What I know they can do well is run the ball. Oregon was able to slow that up. I think Williams finished with, like, 129. Yeah. I see Ryan Nall getting maybe 140, 150, and that's about it. It's a tough ass to go for 200-plus on the ground. It is. It is. Um, so looking back, what freshman or newcomer do you think had the best season? Mm. Oh, it's got to be Art Pierce. That's, that's what he said. Um, I think you go with a couple other guys, but for me, it's Art Pierce. And I'm not even sure. I'm not sure it's close. Xavier, Xavier Crawford had some moments. Yeah. Um, but for me, I have to go Art Pierce. Yeah, Art, Art had a great year. And then this is, I just like this question. And like I said, I think this will be good topics for us uh, next week's podcast. But what was your biggest surprise this season? Mm. And I'm going to have to agree with Ebbs completely. Oh, does he like give uh, his opinion on it? He gave, he gave his opinion. He mm. says Coach Kloon. And I completely agree. When he was hired, I was really underwhelmed. Oh, of just D. how good he's been defensively? Yes. yes. That's a good, that is a good one. Hard, I mean, I, I don't think he argue with any that people would point out. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. This is a, it's kind of a cop-out, so I'll admit that. But it it make it matters to me, the fight, the the fight for me of this team has been decimated with injuries. They have had to play guys who have no experience, guys who aren't, you know, they haven't. They're not even ready to play the amount of time that they've had to play. And you know, after Colorado getting just absolutely whooped in Boulder, you could have responded by that by yeah, Cal's gonna get us, and it's easy for the doubt to creep in. But for Gary Anderson to still reach in that locker room and get the ears of those kids and have them continue to fight, I think speaks volumes about his character, his volumes about his coaching staff. I love the Kevin Clune one, but for me, I, I think it's simply the fight totally, on totally, the season. Totally agree with that, too. Um, Beaver 77, also known as Go Beaver 77, um, big-time Beaver Blitz supporter. How many slots are actually open for recruits in 2017? If we are able to have five current commits count toward 2016 and two ceremonial LDS signings, we should be able to sign. So he kind of goes to the math. I, I do see a signing, or I see Oregon State signing at least 30. He actually, his math, he has 20 for 2017, 
20, or what we're, we're currently at, 20 commits, mm-hmm. five counting toward 2016, plus five slots that are still open, and then having two ceremonial signings, LDS missionaries. So um, 32, and that's that's wow. probably about right, or 12 more available. Yeah. So um, that's, that is pretty good. It's just going to be finding those guys that can count toward 2016. And those guys are going to be the guys that can fill in for all of those guys that were medical redshirt or medical retirements, those opened up, or a guy like Isaac Garcia who didn't make it to, or not Isaac Garcia, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sherrod Thompson who mm-hmm. didn't make it, um, you know, the, that opens up a spot for 2016. All right, there we go. That's good stuff right there. Um, let's see. Oh, then they start going into uh, who will replace the three alignment that we lose? Um, I actually don't have an answer for that one. I'm not as... <laughs> I'm not as vested in the depth necessarily of where it currently stands right now for the offensive line. Um, if you do, Angie, feel free to just take the floor on that one. I don't know. That is one of that has to be. If you were to circle things you're looking forward to figuring out going into spring slash winter ball and fall camp, it's got to be offensive line as your top three, right? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And and I I think it's right now. This was Jump Drive that asked this question. Okay. Um, and Jump Drive, we love you. I I know he's on um, Beaver Blitz and. He is our resident crown royal drinker. So, um, <laughs> jump drive. A crown guy, crown and He is Coke. a crown guy. There so, we go. Um, and when things get a little stressed on recruiting, he always has to post about, well, darn it, this is going to make me lead me to drink a, a glass of crown. So, um, I, I really think it's too early to tell right now. It really is going to come down to some of these, especially these big time JUCO offensive linemen that the Beavers are in the mix with. And can they, you know, A, can the Beavers get them? B, can they come in and actually make an impact? Yeah. Uh, let me look here um, on Twitter. Do you have any from Twitter? Yeah, let me uh, let me pull up a couple real quick. Sorry about that. I had uh, it, and then I had to look for something else. Okay. By the way, I just want to point this out, and you know what? I other people could have the same thing that they're curious. Very odd to me when people follow and unfollow on Twitter. Like. like- like, you mean they follow you and then they Yeah, you like I've seen Beaver Fan do this to me before, where when I left Comcast, I lost like 100 Beaver fans that were following me, and then I got a job, and like 50 of them followed me again, and then slowly matriculating in, they followed me more and more. Huh. But there's even ones that I thought followed me the whole time, they unfollow me. And I just wonder if that's because I sometimes tweet about the Ducks, the Blazers. You just tick them off? I don't know. Like, do they realize my job is a radio host? I'm like supposed to cover the <laughs> landscape? Or, um, yeah, let me get to. I have here's one, one over under McMarion passing yards two seventy five from Greg Harden. I'll go under, but that doesn't mean that they're losing. So, yeah, I'll go okay. under on that one. Um, let me get, give me one second. Uh, where is it? Gosh dang it! Give me one second. I'm sorry. Look at me just taking forever. Well, I'll I'll answer this one from Greg Harden. Okay, it's Garcia. Is he gray shirting and 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 expected to enroll in January? And will Wallace be fully qualified as well? Um, yes, Christian Wallace is. Um, I believe is what they call him a partial qualifier. So he's not able to practice, um, but he's able to go to school and be with the team in that 
It's, it's the exact same thing that happened with Victor or Jordan Villeman. Um, Garcia is actually in Corvallis, and uh, that's a strange one. And I don't know all the backstory there. Everybody's been pretty hush hush about it. I think it does go back to him being at Bellevue with that whole scandal that went on at Bellevue High, and um, classes counting and, and which which counted, which didn't. So I've still been trying to get the word on that, but there's a lot of privacy laws in play um, when it comes to players and their academics and their health. So um, I do expect him to be a beaver, though. He's still very engaged with the team. He was um, down at UCLA with, with a bunch of teammates of the redshirt guys. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I really don't have any too, too big a concern that he will be with the team. All right. Uh, I just found a question. This is from Spencer Williams. He says, how would you rate the 2017 quarterback depth chart? Mine is Jake, uh, Marcus, Mason. Those are his top three. No Daryl Garrettson in his top three. He asks what ours are. So he has, what did he have, Jake, Mason, or Mason? Or, uh, Jake, Marcus, Marcus, Mason. Well, you've got to keep Garrett in there, Garrettson. Yeah, I, I, that's, well, I think that is an interesting one to monitor, too, with the offensive line. Like, what happens to him? Are, yeah. Are they going to say, well, he kind of lost it mentally, like he can't be trusted, or does he just bounce right back from the injury and they say, yeah, I mean, he's right there in contention for it? I, I, I think that I do I do look forward to that Jake and uh, Daryl kind of competition when Daryl's ready to go again. Um I, I just, I haven't, and here I am being critical of Marcus McMarion again. I just think he locks on to guys way too much, and that's that gets him killed against better competition. Um, Mason Moran is definitely going to be in the mix, too. I just, you know, we haven't seen enough of him, and uh, he's been doing scout team. But if something, again, I'll say it again this week, if something happens to Marcus McMarion, like, serious, that he's out, mm-hmm. Mason Moran's going to be the quarterback. That's, see, that would just suck. I mean, that. Uh... To lose the red shirt on the final game of the year, yeah, be terrible. Oh. Um, That's where they're at right now. My top three. I might surprise people with this one. I'm gonna go Jake, Daryl, and I'm going Marcus. I don't. Okay. I don't buy into the long term Connor Blount um, and Mason Moran. Maybe the guy they want to take the reins of this thing. I'm not buying it yet. I think there's an element of surprise and unexpected play by Marcus, and I think this JC kid coming in. I'm probably putting too many eggs in the basket because it's JC and not Pac-12 football, but his size just has me so giddy and excited. If he can stay upright and that offensive line can replace these three starters, um, I think he's got an opportunity to really take the reins of this job for two years. I think he's got that kind of ability. I've watched, I've watched too much JUCO film that I'd care to admit, so uh, I, I just I, I would probably power rank at that. I go. The JC kid, Jake, I'd go Daryl Garrettson, two. I think he's still going to be in there. And I'd go McMarion, three, especially if he can get a win over Oregon State and play well and conservative. Not sure they're just going to hoist a, a redshirt freshman over him. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of actually, I like that list, honestly. I, I think, uh, I, I don't want to put, like you, I don't want to put all my eggs in a Juco basket um, and a brand-new quarterback, but um, there's definitely things to like about his size. But remember, nobody really had offered him. He came from from Idaho, so he's kind of this under the radar guy. And what a, what has everyone else passed on? It makes you, I mean, it makes me wonder a little bit. But um, I do love his film. I mean, the last couple games he's put up almost a thousand yards passing. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, I do like the competition that'll be brewing. And I mean, 
they're they're getting guys spaced out. So you have Jake who could do two years. Daryl has a year. Mm-hmm. Marcus will have two more years, and then Mason still has four. So um, and then you bring in Aiden Willard as your guy to redshirt. You know, um, that kind of just leads into another question we got to uh, at Edit's State. He says, who do you think will win the battle? I know this is almost a little too early for us to even speculate about, but still something I think a lot of people are going to be interested. That, that is going to be the most interesting one, just because not everybody knows the depth of offensive line. Yeah, yeah. You know, people won't follow that stuff till it really matters the most. So quarterback's always the sexy position. So, yeah, Jake. You're going with Jake? I'm going with Jake, too. I, I feel like he'll get in here and he'll wow the coaches. Um, one more for me. I don't know if you have any more, but I want nope. to read this one. This, this is one. from Mike P. Marshall. He says, one, three players the Bees will need to have an impact to end the streak and win, and two, tailgate drink of choice for Saturday. Huh. Those are good questions. Let's see. Okay. My three that I need to have an impact, um, I have to go. I mean, I'm going to go with a position group just because I think it's going to be huge as the linebackers. They've, I mean, Anjay, I don't, I actually I'll go with, I'll say, I'll name names. Caleb Salo and Manasseh Hangalu have got to be big time. Mm-hmm. Ryan Nall. I'll go Ryan Nall. There, there's my three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go McMarion. He has to play, he has to play brilliantly. Um, it, I just think there's going to be elements where if, if you're not passing, you're, you're too one-dimensional and even a bad defense is eventually going to stop. Um, I think two, I'll go Art Pierce. I think, you know, breaking it up for Ryan Nall is going to be huge. He's not going to get a ton of carries, but if he's effective when he goes in there, I think it makes a world of difference. And three, you know, I, I think you could easily go linebackers, but I, can I put a position group as collective one? Yeah, go defensive line. Okay. You guys, fair. if you don't get pressure on this quarterback, I'm telling you right now, you're not. You going are on the to... Justin Herbert train. He is a good player. I now I'm not. I don't ride the whole. He's going to be a Heisman candidate. He's going to be the the best quarterback since. I don't ride that train. The best quarterback since Mariota. But he's a good quarterback. And if you're not playing an elite defense like a UW, a USC, he can carve you up. And I think Oregon State is not at that level. They're on that second to third tier. If you're not getting pressure on him. Uh, he's going to get too comfortable. You are going to live to regret it. So I'll go defensive line, Art Pearson helping Ryan Nolan, freeing him up and, you know, alleviating him a little bit. And I'll go McMarion. And hey, also, tailgate? by the way, real quick, yeah, underrated thing that nobody has addressed. Not one person. There hasn't been a story. I haven't seen an interview. I haven't seen a question. And it scares the living bleep out of me. This game could be decided by a field goal. And our field goal kicker's terrible. <laughs> True. Has nobody thought about that? That this could be a three-point ball game or you could be tied with a chance to beat them and not go to OT and you could have a 30-yard field goal? How nervous are you going to be? That kid ain't making that thing. And if he is, I'll come on the podcast and go on my radio show and apologize because I'm rooting for him. But damn, man, nobody's talked about that. This could be a field goal game. And you could be looking at a field goal kicker who's been so inconsistent this year, it coming down to him. Wow. That just came out of nowhere. No, but seriously, haven't we no, thought it, about this yet? We've talked about it on Blitz, but they actually have, isn't Jordan Chukair is the one kicking field goals now? Yeah, well, okay, but great. Well, I, what do I know about him? Exactly. What do I know you about have him? Adley Rutschman doing 
kickoffs, and then you have Garrett Owens doing extra points. Yeah, I. Yeah, special teams. It's it's big. <sighs> Goodness. So, gracious. what's your tailgate drink of choice then, Sprague? Um, I mean, it's so cliche to go beer, but I think I'm going beer. Beer. <laughs> I think I'm going beer. And, beer. and by the way, anybody asks like, what kind of beer? I'm really not a beer snob. I like certain beers, you know. I like uh, Vortex. That's a pretty good one. Um, well, can I, like... I just tell you, I had a really good beer at Sky High before the game the other night. Oh, Sky High is a fantastic spot. It was spot. a stout. I don't know. It was like some mount. It, it was like coffee. It was delicious. Yeah. Um, I don't really like dark beers, like the the coffee ish ones that you just literally described. I don't like those. I don't know why. Well, I, I don't drink, the only kind of beer I like. I don't drink coffee. That's probably what it is. Coffee puts me to sleep. Um. So, I'd be yeah, IPAs. Um, you have to go light once in a while, otherwise you're going to be black out. So, I, you know, Coors. I'm a Coors over a Bud Light guy. Yeah. Um, I don't do hard A. I have to drive after that game. So, if I'm going to get drunk, it's got to be at the beginning and then wear off by the end. And I'm not, I don't get blackout drunk. But, uh, yeah, I don't really go hard alcohol. So, for me, mainly, it's just really beer. So, we're going to have some IPAs. We're going to have some Coors Light. You know, something good. Something tasty. Something for everybody. Nice. You? You're fireball, aren't you? I'm what? Aren't you a fireball? No, no. That's what I was going to say. No shots. Yikes. I, I don't do shots. I See, I'm a girl. I I love like um like the whipped cream vodka with orange oh soda. Oh, my gosh. Or a um, Captain and Diet Coke. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm, total, <sighs> a, remo- a mimosa, depending on how early we're talking, or a Bloody Mary. Jeez Louise. I know. I'm such a girl. Yeah. You really, I mean, you you really do play up to the narrative, don't you? But I love those things. Foofy drinks. <laughs> I'm not a wine. I, I like my wine, like, you know, with friends, but I'm not a wine at tailgate. That's that's no good. But yeah, I like my, like, a, like I said, a nice rum and Diet Coke. Pretty game. Yeah, that's, that's not one. bad. I could do a rum and Diet Coke. Well, I don't really do diet. I'd just give me the real stuff. But yeah, like I'm not into like the foofy hot chocolate peppermint schnapp stuff. I don't do fireball shots. I don't like shots. I, I've never been able to do a shot. I just I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Eh, I'm not really a shots guy either. Give me, you know, just give me like a stiff drink. Give me a, uh, give me a whiskey oh, I like, on the I like, rocks. Like gin and tonics are good. Yeah, see, I, I I'm give me an old fashioned. Yeah, yeah. So see. you know, if I'm doing a cocktail, I'm doing hard alcohol. I want it that way. I don't want to do shots. What am I? Twenty beer girl. I'm just that's it's filling to me. It's like a meal. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, that's why guys have beer gut. True, true, true. Um, anything else we need to get to? We have our predictions no. in here. Predictions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going Beavers win. I don't have a score. I don't know. Beavers win. That's all that matters. Beavers win a civil war. <laughs> well, I hope everybody enjoys yourselves. Thank you guys for all the questions we've got. We've got uh, another podcast coming at the uh, after the civil war. And don't forget, we always do a recruiting podcast as well. Um, but it's been a lot of fun thus far. Hopefully we get a win, huh? Snap an eight-game yeah. losing streak. Let's do it. I dropped a Wii in there, but I'm okay with that. Um, thank you, everybody, for all the questions. Beaverblitz.com, you guys are fantastic. Angie, thank you for your time, as always. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, th- happy Thanksgiving to you, too, Brandon. Yes, happy Thanksgiving Let's- to everybody listening. Enjoy the, the food, the football, and I will see you guys all on Saturday. Yes, let's hope for a win and uh, hope for good things, all right? All awesome. Right. There we go. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Damn Podcast. Enjoy the Civil War. Go Beavs.